0: thanks for listening to the faith assembly podcast if you're in the orlando area we hope you're able to join us for one of our services please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithorl.
1: well welcome to an incredible service and here at the curry ford campus can we right now go crazy and welcome our michigan street campus and our red bug lake campus Come on! We're so we excited to all will be, be an joining together. I'm telling you, Enjoy and if message. you're on a screen somewhere else in the atrium as well, you are I mean, just buckle your seatbelt and get ready. Uh, God's going to move in a very real way uh, in this service, so lean into everything that God is, is is speaking to you, and we're going to be ready to respond to the Word of God. Uh, we have a guest evangelist with us. It's actually not we we actually had. Uh, evangelist Nathan Morris scheduled for this weekend uh, and he was unable to be here um, but God knew what he was doing all along and uh, there is an evangelist that's here that has actually spoken uh, to at our church many times he's really uh, he's really kind of a part of our family, but he's not spoken on a, on a weekend. He's done several mainstream events, and uh, every time God has just used him so tremendously. Chris Estrada is his name. He's the, uh, amen, there's some people in the house that already are expecting. But uh, he is the uh, executive director of Missions Me College, also uh, on the uh, executive leadership team at Missions Me. Uh, it's an org- organization that is doing some innovative, you'll see in a moment, some incredible things to change nations. And so uh, you'll hear a little bit about that. But more than that, uh, I want to say this about Pastor Chris Estrada. You'll see he's got a a, a gifting on his life and God uses him uh, with with a ministry skill set that is incredible. But more than that, uh, i 'm more impressed with how, who he is off the platform than I am who he is on the platform. I like to hang around people that I feel uh, Jesus in, and I get closer to God just from spending time with him. Chris has become a friend. We are so delighted to have him and you may have seen as you if some of you gave on the app you gave digitally, you may have seen his name on the drop down. Uh, Let me encourage some of you as as he ministers today or, uh, you know, in the altars, whatever. God may speak to you about giving towards his ministry and giving towards uh, the expense of bringing him in. And so you can be a part of, of, of that. God may speak to you with that so that you could do that on the on the uh, app and there is a drop down with his name chris estrada but across all of our campuses here curry ford and they're in the atrium too can we just go crazy and make welcome guest evangelist today chris estrada as he comes
2: Wow, what an honor it is to be here with family. I'm telling you, I feel so good right now. I have, uh, like Pastor Johnny was saying, I have been here multiple times. I was over uh, in your Narnia section of uh, this incredible building. Now I get to come over to Middle Earth this Sunday, um, which is pretty great, and uh, someplace we'll have Egypt. I'll be able to minister there, but um, it is such an honor to be here, and uh, I want to say thank you so much for creating such an atmosphere. This is an incredible church. And um, listen, I, I, I just say, I'm from the hood. Let me just put it in, in my perspective for a second. You people are spoiled up in this church right here. I'm gonna tell you that right now. They trying to get your money right with Dame Ramsey. They trying to get your marriage right with this conference. Y'all better sign up for this stuff. I'm telling you, you got anointed worship. Come on, give it up for this team. They're ministering to your babies. In kids over here, your youth ministry is on a whole nother level. Young adults are just dangerous around here for good. I mean, it's powerful. Come on, listen. If you complain about this church, you might as well punch yourself in the throat. Because this is a good church. And I think it's a great reflection of solid leadership. And I want to honor Pastor Carl and Pastor Alice. Come on, give it up for these incredible leaders. Thank you so much. I mean this as a young leader. As a as a young father, I, I want to thank you for creating room for men and women like myself that can come in and be able to run because you guys paved the way. Come on, one more time, give it up for a phenomenal team right here. This is a phenomenal couple. Thank you so much. It's a true honor. And then, of course, who doesn't love Pastor Johnny? Pastor Jamie, come on. If you don't listen, if you don't love Pastor Johnny, you're not going to heaven. That's the way it works. I'm telling you, phenomenal people. It's just incredible. And um, I recognize that this is my first time here on a Sunday. It might be the first time we've ever got to meet. And so let me tell you my story real quick and explain uh, as best I can what we do. I grew up on the border of the United States and Mexico. And uh, all in one night, I got invited to go to church camp. Uh, My youth pastor came to me and said, hey, do you want to go to church camp? And I said, they're going to be hot girls at this camp. He said, well, we're going to go for Jesus. You know, I had no idea what to I was a six-year-old little pervert. I had no idea what I was saying. And he said, uh, he said well, we're going to go for Jesus. I said, fine, you can go for Jesus. I am going to get some phone numbers. <laughs> hey, right? What I didn't realize is on the first night of that camp, I got saved. I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I got called into ministry all <laughs> in one night. Game-changing night for me from that point forward. Uh, I went to Bible college, I went into internet sales and was very successful uh, and then God said sell everything you have, give it all away and move to Sri Lanka. How many of you know where Sri Lanka is at? Three of you. That's great. No, I'm not. It's about five, six, of, that's average. Um, Sri Lanka is 40 miles south of India. It was in the middle of a civil war. So I remember mortar shells blowing up down the road from my house. Suicide bombers bombing the hotels we would stay in. And in the middle of all that chaos, God was still raising up his church. And we were seeing daily salvation, signs, wonders, healings, miracles. It was powerful. Came back into the States. Took over youth ministry. Had a sweeping revival that led me into what I'm doing now. I have spent the last 11 years of my life raising and releasing the next wave of influencers into the church, into politics, into business, into education education. We have a graduate in every nation of the world. And I believe God's just getting started because we got churches like Faith Assembly who are building something that God can carry into a third-grade awakening because I think that's what America is headed is a great shaking. Come on, anybody else got vision and faith for this? I get to run with an incredible group of people and be on an incredible uh, team that carries a vision for missions me and our vision is to unite the global church for the salvation and transformation of nations i believe that uniting the church is absolutely key to unlocking nations and bringing a favor and an authority and fresh strategy that we can win whole nations and lay them at the feet of jesus How I many you know unity is not optional Unity is not negotiable. It is commanded in Scripture that we would dwell together, that we would be one. Jesus prayed. His final prayer could have been we would never get sick. He could have been we would never have uh, financial lack. But his final prayer in the garden was that we would be one. Because when the world is dividing, the church is uniting, and we are going to storm into nations like never before and walk in a supernatural power like never before. And to give you some context of what we do and what what we have seen God do through this incredible vision. I want to point your attention to the screens and check out this video.
0: Nearly 3,000 years ago, the prophet Isaiah asked the question, can a nation be saved in a day? Can a country be changed in a moment? We believe this audacious question has been answered. In late 2011, President Lobo Soso of Honduras opened the doors of his government to a new missions era. The nation, overrun by violence, was desperate for hope. After two years of strategic planning and preparation, One Nation One Day was born. In July of 2013, the largest missions team in history gathered in Miami, filled three chartered 747s, and were strategically placed in every state across Honduras with a goal to reach every person in the entire nation. For one week, medical brigades, humanitarian teams, school ministry teams, and national leaders' conferences impacted hundreds of thousands of Hondurans. At the end of the week, Honduras gathered in the 18 largest stadiums and 18 cities simultaneously for a moment that would shift the course of the entire nation.
2: Father in heaven, we invite your kingdom to come to the nation of Honduras.
0: In a moment, the global church stepped into a new missions era. In 2015, the One Nation, One Day vision spread to the Dominican Republic. The world watched again as One Nation, One Day forged top-level government partnerships and the National Church united for the salvation of their nation. In 2017, the momentum across the globe erupted as missionaries from 33 nations spread out across the nation of Nicaragua and reached one in every seven Nicaraguans face-to-face with the gospel. In 2019, One Nation, One Day expanded to a new continent with a new built for a nation of 32 million. Demonstrating unprecedented unity in the global church, Peruvian teams joined hands with the largest team of international missionaries to date to become the change in their nation. Together, over 10,000 missionaries and volunteers reached 1.1 million Peruvians face-to-face in schools, clinics, clean water sites, and stadiums across the nation. The years following One Nation, One Day campaigns have been marked by measurable transformation. Government leaders collaborate to create create solutions to national social issues like gang violence, domestic violence, education, and unity. Follow-up campaigns organically birthed within each nation have marked the sustainability of this new missions era. An era where the global church would unite for the salvation and transformation of entire nations. An era where every person in every city, in every school, every home, every street corner across the nation can have a face-to-face encounter with the gospel of Jesus Christ.
2: The purpose of the great Commission was not simply that the church would grow, but that the church would lead. The church united is gonna do what the world divided could never do.
0: Can a nation be saved in a
2: day? Yes, it can. Come on, how many you believe we are in an era we have crossed over and we are walking. Anybody else got faith that we can shake nations and lay them at the feet of Jesus? You know, I, I, as we were really cultivating this vision, we really recognized that The modern missions model needed to be updated. It was very tired because we watched as great men and women set a place and we stand on their shoulders. But an anointing would blow in and then an anointing would blow out and nothing was ever sustained. And we really wanted to create a vision that we wouldn't ask the local church to platform, but that this vision would platform the local church and posture and position you to have a great influence in the nation. And we have gone to Honduras, we have gone to Nicaragua, we have gone to Dominican Republic, we have gone to Peru, and now God has spoken very clearly and we have set our sights on Los Angeles. We are gonna go after a juggernaut of a city because the hour for America is now and we need a third great awakening and a- Great shaking like never before. Come on, anybody else been praying and believing that God is not done with the United States and He is going to march all over this land? So as you share and as you pray and as you give, please know that that is exactly what we're contending for. I I, uh, I, I want to do this real quick because I sense such a powerful anointing in the building. Anybody else? I know I'm not alone. I sense a powerful anointing of such hunger, uh, devotion, and desire, but I want to do this real quick because we do have a product table back there, and uh, we have this incredible resources like this curriculum. It's eight sessions, streamable on any device. You can just download it from the card, log in, use the code, and you're able to access it. But I, I'm around a lot of college students, a lot of young adults, a lot of single folk, a lot of people that are uh, 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 further along in life as well, people that are retiring from their career. and. As Especially, you know what I love? Is, especially these young single ladies. My wife and I get to minister, mentor. Um, it's interesting. They always come in. They're like, Pastor Chris, I need a Boaz. Where's Boaz? I need a Boaz. Where's Boaz? I want a tall, dark, rich, really rich, got to be rich, a lot of rich, tall, handsome Boaz. And I have to tell them, when you become Ruth, you'll get Boaz. But Ruth didn't become Ruth unless she stayed with Naomi. Are you with me? just like David couldn't become King David unless he stayed with the prophets Uh, the disciples could not become apostles unless they stayed with Jesus, Saul could not become the apostle Paul unless he stayed with Barnabas because your alignments determine your assignments and I believe that the greatest attack right now on a generation is a lack of identity not knowing who you are and when you don't know who you are, you don't know who you're called to, but let it be said of Faith Assembly and the church that we were aware and we were aligned and we knew exactly who God formed us to be. And we knew exactly who to align with, where to build covenant, what to do. And that all comes from this incredible resource called Kingdom Identity. How many of you know you were not an accident? You weren't just a thought or a passion in your parents' minds. You were, a, you were literally a walking strategy with legs, a revival that the enemy has no response against. And if you don't know who you are, Friend, you won't know who you're called to, but let it be said that you're not buried and you're not overlooked, but you are hidden in Christ Jesus. And it's in that depth and those places that you discover who he created you to be. I'm telling you, anyone that is lacking a sense of purpose is lacking a sense of identity. And what we need is to go back and discover who God created us to be so that we know exactly what he wants us to do with our life and we don't live wasted lives. Are you with me? Go and pick this up at the table at the end. We also have this one. Come on. Any parents in the room? Any parents? Look, you don't even want to admit it. That's what a pandemic will do to you right there. <laughs> I'm just a real talk, right? Parents, how many you know 2 Corinthians 3.17 says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's Freedom. Right? And what does he mean? He could have said anything. But he said, you know I'm working in your life. You know I'm working in someone else's life when the levels of freedom are increasing in their life. Now I'm not talking by a sloppy freedom that you can go live however you want and come back to faith assembly and all of a sudden you get all cleaned up. I'm talking about a freedom that becomes so precious that you wouldn't do anything to jeopardize it. Come on, how many you know what I'm talking about? An economy of God that he has set me free and I'm going to manage my freedom. See, I, I thought my, uh, my role as a parent, as a pastor was to manage people's sin as a parent, manage their mistakes. That's not my role. That's not our role. My job is to teach my kids how to operate and manage their own freedom. Because there will come a day when they move out of my house and they might end up in some atheistic, humanistic, agnostic uh, uh, professor's class and they could be talked out of a, 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 a relationship that they grew up in. But let it be said that we raised our kids with a language of freedom. And we didn't just meet them in their good moments. We were there pulling greatness to the surface in their worst moments. How many you know, how you deal with the worst determines if you get the best. Come on, talk to me for a second. And so what we do is, these is ten, this is 10 sessions, again, all streamable on any devices. You have the code on the card in here to access it. But I'm telling you, we teach you on how to confront, language to use, mistake management. Come on, that's parenting right there. What do you do after your kids blow it? I'm telling you, if you are finding, uh, you're hitting walls in your parenting journey, in your leadership journey, as you're raising up people, go and get this resource. It will help you. It will bless you. We've had school districts use it. We had a school district in Louisiana that decreased their disciplinary issues by 56%. Because we were created in a garden, not in a prison. We were created for Freedom. Are you following me? Let's get a language of freedom in our hearts and raise up not sons and daughters, but kings and queens. Are you with me? Somebody say yes. Well, I, I, I'm excited. How many, how many are you ready for a fresh word? No, no, come on. How many are you ready for a fresh word? Now, I don't do no quiet church. Can you tell? I'm too Hispanic for that. Come on. Where are, all, where are the Latinos? Where are the Hispanics? That, come on. Where the caramel at? Make some noise, caramel. We see you all the brown people. And then we got some chocolate family in here. Where you at, chocolate? Make some (laughs) noise. And then we got a whole lot of whipped cream too. Where the whipped cream at? Come on, everybody loves some whipped cream. We all one big Sunday. Listen, I believe in the word of God getting a response. Are you with me? I loved playing on my home court because it meant I had the most crowd support. Well, let's give the word the most crowd support today and unlock a little bit more as we respond to the word. Can you do that? Somebody say, Yes. yes. Say, Come on, somebody. Say, Come on, somebody. You know, I was preaching. I was preaching at Bishop Jakes' church, and I literally had a woman at Fort Worth campus stand up as I was preaching and say, Walk the dog, Pastor. I didn't know what to do. All I knew is she was receiving something. It was good. Are you with me? Are you ready for the word? No, church, are you ready for the word? I believe it, I believe it. Hey, turn on your Bible and go to 2 Kings 6. Turn it on. I know what generation we're in. Okay, turn it on. If you open it, that's fine. If you turn it on, that's fine. All right, it's the Bible that says it's the word of God that's living and active, not what it's written on, not what it shows up on. I go to 2 Kings chapter 6. Now, I'm going to give you some background because we're going to parachute right in the middle of a situation when we begin reading. But I love 2 Kings 6 because I feel like it's a prophetic word for this hour for all of us. In 2 Kings 6, you'll find that the king of Syria is constantly creating conflict with the nation of Israel, especially the king of Israel. And several times, he comes up with these plans in the middle of the night and shares them with the close circle of advisors and generals that he's going to invade and ambush Israel. But as soon as those plans leave his mouth, they end up not only in his uh, counsel's ears, but they end up in a set of ears he never expected, the prophet Elisha. It is said, they even, it even says this, that the prophet Elisha wouldn't just hear his wicked plans, he would hear even things he said in his bedroom. That's awkward. No, y'all need, no, come on, that pillow talk ain't gonna stay on the pillow very long. Are you with me? And so this king can't figure it out how come He can't invade because every time he'd come up with a plan, the prophet would tell the king of uh, Israel, go and send reinforcements and they were able to fight off the ambush. So this king thinks he's got a leak in his administration and he sits there and he goes, who is informing? Who's the traitor? And they said, there's nobody. Israel has a prophet named Elisha and he hears even the things you say in your bedroom. He knows ahead of time what you're going to do. And this wicked king says, where is he? I want to send a whole army against this man. So they said, hey, he's in Dothan, which means cutting. And he says, hey, he's in Dothan. And so he says, fine. Now look at this, verse 14. It says, so one night, the king of Syria sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were horses, troops, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him for there are more with us than against us. Come on, how many of you know? I could preach this all the rest of the day. Uh, I'm telling you, how many you know there's more resources, there's more, no, God's never out of oil. He is never out of anointing. He is never out of resources. He is never out of power. He has never, he has never had a defeated day. He is the undefeated God. There is no one like him. He is matchless in everything he does. He <clears throat> is not worried. He is not panicked. He is not in paranoia. He is still purposed and postured. Anybody else know the God I'm talking about? There are more with us than against us. It don't matter what struggle you're in. It don't matter what storm you're in. It don't matter what circle. There is more with us than against us. If you believe it, somebody shout amen. He says there are more with us than against us. And then Elisha prays, oh Lord, open his eyes. Are you seeing that right there? Lord, open his eyes. Eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Come on. So, as the Aramean army advanced toward them, Elisha prayed, Oh Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness, just as Elisha had asked. My goodness, my goodness, my goodness. There's so much to unpack in here. Let's pray first. Let's pray first. Holy Spirit. I ask for the spirit of wisdom. And revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. In fact I speak to this atmosphere and I say that you are full of faith and you're full of hope and you're full of peace and you're full of joy and I break every limit. I come against every restriction. I cut I free every barrier. I break every demonic harassment right now in Jesus name. It is broken now in Jesus name. And I call your men and women to the front lines. I call them into their destiny. I call them into their identity. I call them into their strength. Lord that we will not live as blind servants. We will not be smoke screened and hoodwinked. We will not live through smoke and mirrors but we will see through a piercing sight through all the issues and all the struggles and all the problems that you would birth a supernatural expectation right now to see things beyond the storms, beyond the giants and beyond the walls. Pull us back in to strength. Pull us back in to hunger. Father, I just declare that we are not settling for small fires we are not set no small dreams allowed Lord we are not settling for fake fire we don't want synthetic fire we want a historic outpouring of holy fire to consume Orlando to consume Florida and to consume the United States of America and Lord let this march and this cry be heard around the earth you would wake us up in the mighty name of Jesus and everyone shout it Amen, amen, amen. Um, I'll give you the title of my message, but I do want to say this. Um, I have no cultural, propaganda, political association with this title. I just think it's a dope title. It's a cool title. That's all I think. But I feel like God wants me to speak from a subject. I feel like a responsibility to, if I can, uh, inform some and remind others that we are to stay woke. I believe that there is a wokeness that is beyond anything natural. That you could be supernaturally aware and supernaturally astute and resolute on the things of God, that new cycles do not intimidate you anymore. Markets do not scare you. I'm telling you, even losing your life doesn't scare you. What scares the woke is wasting their life. Let it be said that I stayed woke even in the middle when my pain was trying to tuck me back into bed, when my fear was trying to lay me back down, when my pain was trying to assist me in pausing my eyes to go back. I will not have slumber, and I will not I have passivity but I am going to stay woke my question is where are the woke at where are the burning ones where are the hungry ones I know they're in this room I know they're watching online and at all campuses and I can tell you that the message today is all about stay woke you know I uh, I was coming out of the gym and uh that's actually coming out of a dodgeball tournament so don't be that impressed um <laughs> And uh, we were we were coming out of a dodgeball tournament. I got eliminated early. That's not important, Uh, but I am competitive. I'm I'm not anyone else. I just don't make excuses. I don't believe in participation trophies. If that offends you, I live in the real world. Um, Like I'm telling you, it don't matter if you're like my seven-year-old who's here, or if you're my 13-year-old. I plan on winning. You ain't getting no free w's because a, a w is a w because you earned it and you're not going to get a participation trophy in life and then you complain about why nobody loves you and nobody lets you win in, in real life try that in your marriage god be with you so i i remember um i was coming out of the uh, uh, getting eliminated early god's still healing me and And I remember, I get this text message on my phone. It's three text messages, one right after the other. And I look at my phone, and this is how I read it. This is how I saw it. These are the text messages. It said, yo, what's up? Next text message. This Antoine from Saturday night. Next text message. This Darnisha. I promise, I say this to Pastor Carl, I promise before Jehovah God. I meant to say in text back, this is not Darnisha but the autocorrect on my phone said, this is Darnisha. <laughs> to which Antoine responded back, sup girl. <laughs> so I didn't have anything else to do. So I just responded back. I said nothing. <laughs> emoji, 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 the whole thing. <laughs> I've been in youth and young adult ministry. I know how to talk to talk, right? So I'm sitting there responding back. He said, what you doing right now? I said, I just got out the gym. I'm tired. He said, you should go to bed then. I'm like, oh. Look at Antoine, giving me sound counsel and direction in my life in the first 30 seconds. (laughs) So I remember, um, I showered, I went to bed, and um, I'll never forget, I'm lying in bed, and anyone that knows me, I am not up past nine. I go to bed at nine, I wake up at five every morning. That's just how I am, all right? And so all of our team and our students and my family, they know, do not text me after nine because you won't get a response. Well, sure enough, I'm lying in bed, it's just after nine. My wife is right next to me reading her Bible because she's the real Christian. Um, And um, I'm sitting there and my phone goes off, just like that. And I'm thinking, that could only be one person. I look at my phone, sure enough, it was Antoine. And Antoine says, sweet dreams, baby girl. And I thought, oh, look at Antoine caring about the condition of my rest. So I start laughing while responding, like <laughs> you don't even know, you know? Like I'm going in, and my wife says, um, "Who's that?" I, I said, "It's Antoine." She said, "Who's Antoine? What does he want?" I said, "Well, um, he 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 wants to talk to Darnisha." She said, "Who's Darnisha?" I said, "Life's funny. I'm Darnisha." <laughs> she said what she said you're a married man pretending to be a woman talking to another man i said baby when you say it like that it sounds bad i'm telling this went on for two weeks Yes, it did. I'm that pastor. Yes, I am. I'm telling you right now. This went on. I I'm telling you, I would take screenshots of our conversation and I uploaded it to like Instagram and I, all the social media. And I had people following my hashtag, Days of Darnisha, Darnisha with an E, because she's a deep, soul, strong woman. Anyways, Days of Darnisha. People from all over the world were like, This is incredible. Keep it going. And I would have. I'm not lying. I'd have gone years with this thing. But Antoine hit Darnisha out of the blue. He said, Hey, I want to see you again. I'm thinking as soon as Antoine sees Darnisha now, he going to notice there's some changes. He says, I want to see you again. I knew that if he saw me, he would now know I am not who I said I was. I believe the devil is scared of the same thing. I believe the kingdom of darkness worries about the same thing. That as soon as you see them as powerless as defeated you will also see Jesus as seated and enthroned full of glory full of authority and the devil is not who you think he is. The kingdom of darkness is not as strong as you think it is. Stop giving it too much credit and start worshiping on God and knowing that his word has surpassed every bit of struggle every bit of problem, all your storms, all your issues. Is there anybody who's been wakened by God and looked at his eyes and seen the piercing love and felt the fiery touch. Those people are woke now. Where are the woke at? I'm not talking about a natural woke. I am talking about a spiritual woke where you can be anchored in his world but still exist in this one. This is why nothing causes you to be intimidated. You don't flinch at the sign of bad news. You don't give up when you meet resistance. You understand revival requires resistance training and what you're doing is just building more spiritual muscle and spiritual gains to be able to stand in your place of authority because you are woke now. Where are the woke yet Uh, I'm not just talking about people who know how to do church I'm talking to people who know how to do kingdom who can heal people right here on the front of this altar and still walk into Walmart and cast out devils who can go into malls and prophesy because baby if you can only do it here and not out there it just means it's not real but let it be said that we were more impactful outside of these walls than we ever could have been in here. And even though God was moving heavily in here, it carried over into my lunch. It carried over into my night. Where are the woke at? I believe when you're woke, you get to say three things with your life. The first one is this. I'm ahead. I live ahead nothing catches me off guard. I'm not undone by bad news. I'm not taken over by what I see. I'm not moved by news cycles. I'm not moved by headlines. I'm not moved by markets. I'm not moved by opinions. I'm not moved by culture. I am only moved by the fresh wind of God. I am only moved when his word tells me to. I am only moved at his voice. Where are the woke at? Because they get to say I'm ahead. See the enemy one of his, ta- it's very uncommon for me, by the way, to talk about the devil, because he, re- he doesn't deserve this much credit. But I also know what Paul said, don't be ignorant of the enemy's schemes. And one of the things he is trying to bring as a plague on this generation is to think that he, the devil, knows more about your life than God does, than you do. He doesn't know more about your life. He's not omnipresent. He's not omniscient, he's not the Alpha and the Omega. He's not anything. You know what he wants to do is the Bible says in Daniel seven that he tries to pervert the times and the seasons. In other words, he is trying to fill you with fear, fill you with anxiety, fill you with excuses so you miss your cue. And then what happens when you miss your cue is you stay asleep, but you're really awake, but not awake to things in the spiritual world. You're only awake to things in the real world. I want real world problems that are birthed in a supernatural world that touch more than just an economy. Come on, we need more than just a turnaround in certain. We need a moral fiber, a moral revival. Listen, I'm, I'm all for, I'm all for revival. I want signs, wonders, healings, miracles. I'm that guy. But what we truly need in this generation is a Bible revival. That we would have a biblical worldview on the things God's doing. And when you're in the word, baby, you're ahead. And the reason why you're ahead is because you've been woken to something. You've been woken to authority. Woken to, where are the woke at? You're ahead. I remember uh, a student of mine took a nap before our night service. And in the nap, he had a dream. In this dream, Jesus came to him and brought him a Ziploc bag, a gallon Ziploc bag, and said, go to the Walmart down the street from your house, go in the pharmacy aisle, and then I am anyone you pray for in the pharmacy aisle, I'm going to heal. So this kid wakes up out of his sleep. He goes to the Walmart. He sees there's a long line of the, in the pharmacy aisle of people waiting to pick up their prescriptions. This woman comes out from picking up prescriptions, turns around, and he says, hi, uh, ma'am. Uh, listen, my name's Chris. I'm from Faith Assembly, and and uh, God spoke to me. He told me to come here that anyone that I would lay hands on would be healed. That, and he's going to heal them. He said, ma'am, can I pray for you about anything? I mean, she's holding bags of pills for something, for something. It's not like you can say no. you know. So he says, can I pray for you? And she says, yeah, I've had back issues that have been real bothering, bothersome. I've been in pain for as long as I can remember. And he says, no problem. God's going to heal you. He lays his hands on this woman. This is a 16-year-old, by the way. Lays his hands on this woman and says, Father, in the name of Jesus, I command this discomfort. I command this pain. I command all of this to leave. Right now, I declare her healed. And she goes, ooh. And all of a sudden, he says, what happened? She says, I felt something. He said, well, let's test it. Do something you couldn't do. She said, I couldn't bend over. He said, try that. So she goes, boom, just like this. Comes back up, shook. I mean, just shocked. Boom, just like that. And keeps doing this for 30 seconds just to make sure it didn't leave. God totally healed her back in a pharmacy line at Walmart. Then this kid led her to Jesus. Come on, in Walmart, not at conference, not at church, in Walmart. And I'm telling you this uh, Walmart employee was crying brought this gallon Ziploc back to this kid, said, I have a feeling you're gonna need this. And she's crying and walks off. And sure enough, this woman says, yep. She throws her pills at the kid and walks out of, the, uh, uh, of Walmart without her prescriptions because she was that confident that God touched her body. <laughs> one by one, they all came out of that line. And one by one, they all got healed. They all got set free. They were all getting, I'm telling you, people were getting messed up. People were getting free. I'm telling you, God was moving that kid showed up that night with two Ziploc bags full of pills. He came up to me and Pastor Chris, check it out. <laughs> Just like that. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? I thought he was trying to sell the pills to all the kids. <laughs> this kid had a past. Okay. So, so like. I was like, what's happening? He told me the whole story. Why would that happen? Because he's woke now. And when you're woke, you get to stay ahead. What would it be like if we had a praying church that shut down terrorist plots and bombings and school shootings and mass suicides because we were praying and we were interceding and we were partnering with God and we were able to give the authorities the addresses, the names, the times, the locations, everything. I'm telling you, that's where we're headed. Elisha had a prophetic anointing on that side of the cross. How much more do we on this side of the cross? Come on, where are the woke at assembly this morning? Come on, I'm talking about Red Block Lake, Michigan Street, right here. I'm telling you, the woke are rising. They are not quitting. they all they've done and all they've been through and everything that, listen, you have not been through all the challenges for nothing. God wastes Nothing. I'm going to go a little off script here. I feel an anointing in this room. I think what we need to be reminded is that God does not waste a thing on our life. While the Israelites were building Egyptian homes, he told, he, they carried this promise that one day they will live in their own homes that they did not build. And they will drink from vineyards they did not plant. And they will eat from farms they did not cultivate. And then all of a sudden they're here, they're reminding this, but they are taking bricks and building an Egyptian's house. But what they didn't notice in the, they didn't realize in the promised land is while they were laying a brick, someone else was laying a brick for their house. And now bricks turned to seed. And I believe that God has been adding brick by brick by brick. And it may have been laborsome. It may have been correction time. He may have torn some things down. He may have built some things up. He may expose. But you learned something. You got greater revelation. You put on spiritual muscle. And all of a sudden, God wastes nothing because those bricks turn to seed because you're ahead. And he is committed to keeping you ahead all the days of your life. Where are the woke at? If you're gonna be woke, like Elisha says time and again, he would do this to the wicked king of Syria. This didn't just happen one time, this happened all the time. May it rest on us even in greater ways than it did him. When you're woke, you could say I'm ahead. The second thing you get to say is I'm an ambush. I am an ambush. It's interesting, this wicked king sends a whole army for one guy. It's, it's almost like he still, you know, it's like he still hasn't learned. Again, don't be ignorant of his schemes. It's amazing how the enemy makes the same mistake every time. He tried to throw a giant at David, not realizing Jay was, David was really the giant. He tried, throw, he tried to throw Daniel in a lion's gen, not realizing Daniel brought a bigger lion in there with him called the Lion of Judah, and he roars a lot louder, and he's got a lot more strength. He tried to bury Jesus, not realizing you can't bury what's living. You can't have a funeral for life. This is what happens when you're woke. says that all of a sudden, as he says, servant sees them surrounded. He's like, what are we going to do? He says, don't be afraid. There are more with us than against us. Then Elisha prays. He says, Lord, open his eyes. Boom, his eyes are open. And he sees that the mountains are full of chariots and horses of fire. This excites me because I noticed something that was not in there. I mean, no. Oh, it would help us sometimes to know what the Word of God does not say. I want you to notice what it didn't say. It never said, never said that Elisha prayed for the army. He didn't make any address to this this wicked army. He doesn't do that. The only thing he prays for is his servant, Lord, open his eyes, which tells me that, listen, which tells me this, that could it be that the problem is not the trouble that's surrounding us, the problem is the sight that we have to see that trouble. The only problem Elisha had wasn't a wicked army, it was a blind servant. Could it be that the trouble we're having in our modern day is not really the trouble, you are not in the trouble you think you're in. The enemy would love for you to think that you're being ambushed when really you are the ambushed. The, love, the enemy would love for you to think you're the threat when really you're the threat. Are you following me? I feel like hell, hell is breaking into a cold sweat right now. I feel like heaven's getting excited and hell is getting nervous because woke people are rising to strength. They're rising to courage and they're going to carry vision and they're going to shake nations and they're going to win neighborhoods and they're going to model supernatural lifestyles and they're going to have Christian integrity and they're going to have a biblical worldview because you are an ambush. That's what you are. It's interesting. He literally says, Lord, strike them with blindness. And Elisha the prophet becomes the biggest flashbang in Call of Duty history that you have ever seen in your life. He literally blinds a whole army, which tells me one man with sight is more powerful than an entire blind army. One woman with sight. Give me one praying mama. Give me one praying woman. Give me just one individual with some sight, and they will pierce through in every way, and they will be a holy terror and a holy disruption. This is what happens when you're woke. You're ahead. You're an ambush. You know, all Jesus has been doing, all God's plan has been doing is getting people to see things from heaven's perspective. Abraham, he tells Abraham, hey, you're gonna be the father of many nations. Abraham halfway through it is struggling. I don't have a son. I don't have an heir. What, what are you talking about? He says, go outside, count the stars. Abraham counts the stars, loses count. And he says, there's too many. There's no way. And, it, and, and, and God says, so shall your descendants be. They will be innumerable. He does this to Joshua. When Joshua, the night before, he's about to march into Jericho and watch walls begin to fall. He meets a man with his sword drawn. And he says, are you for us or for our enemies? And this man, who's the Lord Jesus, says, no. But as commander of the Lord's armies, I have now come to show you, see, I have given you Jericho. You do realize God is just trying to open up our sight. Paul is on the road to Damascus to persecute and kill Christians, has an encounter with Jesus, and he is blinded. Then Ananias walks in through words of knowledge, lays hands on him, and something like scales fell from his eyes. This is what happened to a lot of us when we first met the Lord, that we saw the things that we were doing, and the scales fell off. The veil was lifted, and we saw the beauty of Jesus. We saw the period of holiness. We saw the reason we walk in integrity. Scales are falling from eyes right now. Jesus is walking through a field and he sees the field is ready for harvest, and he says, look, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He's not talking about farming operations. He is talking about having spiritual sight. Are you with me? It is so crucial that we stay woke. It's amazing how you can have your eyes wide open and still be blind. Let me put it to you like this. One person, uh, eyes that look are common, but eyes that see, completely rare. Completely rare. If we're going to be woke, number one, I'm ahead. Number two, I'm an ambush. And number three, I'm an answer. You are not an accident. You were not a mistake. I don't care what your mom and dad said to you. I don't care what happened in your life. God can transition and transform any moment. You are an answer in every way. Jeremiah 33.3 three says, call to me and I will answer you, watch this, and then I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. I believe during this 21-day fast that God has not just been speaking and aligning, pushing things away and building things up, but he's been birthing a hunger for fresh, for new. What I also believe is that he is trying to get strategies, proof of concepts, risk takers, Burning ones, mighty ones, people who will be dangerous for good. I, I'm tell, I feel an anointing of God in this room. I, I feel like this is, this is dangerous ground. This is dangerous. I'm telling it's dangerous to depression. It's dangerous to cancer. It's dangerous to sin. It's dangerous to hopelessness. It's dangerous to mental. I'm telling you, we're on dangerous ground right now. And all he, listen, God is not giving out suggestions. He is not giving out proposals. He is layering your life with strategy and fresh hunger. Anybody else sense that? Anybody else feel it? Would you stand up with me? I feel a move of God in this room. I sense such hunger. We have got to stay woke. We can no longer afford to be passive about the state of our society and our community. I always tell, i I would tell our students, I hope you're praying as much as you're posting. I'm telling you, if we would actually change some things. I believe that God has given you a fresh authority today, and you're coming into this thing. But the Bible is very clear, you decree a thing, it will be established. I am, listen, I am here to remind you, you don't have to beg, you need to prophesy. You don't negotiate, you get to enforce. And what we do is we do it from a woke place where, God, I'm aware of your strategies. I'm aware of your heart. I'm aware of your resources. And I'm not playing games anymore. I'm going to win my neighbors to Jesus. I'm coming for that business. I'm going to take that campus. And we're going to go after our city. And while I'm practicing here, you're developing me here. And you're building me here. And you're answering things here. I'm going to be the woke. Where are the woke at? truth is if you want to start out this journey of of woke, I'm talking about a supernatural kingdom holy woke. If you want to do this, the first step, if you have never surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, there is no way you can sustain that kind of vision and that kind of hunger and that kind of passion without first understanding. He is not just your Lord, just your Savior. He is your Lord. He wants to be in charge of your life because he gave you life he knows you better than your own parents he knows what satisfies you what dissatisfies you he knows what you could extend every bit of your heart and your gift and your grace to he knows what to do with you sometimes we live so unsurrendered sometimes we've tried everything else we've tried relationships we've tried prescriptions we've tried all kinds of issues we've tried church but you didn't try Jesus I think, I think something's shifting right now. With every head bowed, every eye closed at all campuses, even you watching online, I believe God is touching you right now. If you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, this is your moment. This is your moment. Stop living, drowning in your pain, suffocated by sin. Stop living, harassed in your thoughts and your life. Start living with such a hunger and a passion for the things of God. It bursts a desire for holiness like you've never heard, like you've never seen, like you've never experienced. If you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. Ready? One, two, three. Pastor Chris, pray for me. Pray for me. Wow. 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 We see hands in this room. We see hands, I bet you there's people uh, uh, putting a hand up emoji, people at other campuses. I want to pray with you. You can put your hands down. In church, I want to pray together. I want to tell my friends, repeat after me, but I want the whole church to repeat. There's nothing magical about the words, what's supernatural is the meaning in our heart. And then I just feel God's going to heal people, God's going to put a fresh fire. I feel an anointing in this room, but I want to pray. Church, can we pray? Friends that raise their hand, let's pray together. Repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I thank you that you died for me, that you rose again, and you're alive today. I thank you that you are waking me up. Use my life for your purposes. I want to be bonded to your plans. My life is yours. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's lift up a shout. Hey.